Hey, podcasters. Welcome to Amassed Community Talks, where Amassed founder and CEO, Boaz Gilad, speaks with business professionals each week who inspire growth and change in their industry. Amassed Community Talks is sponsored by Amassed, the go-to wholesale marketplace connecting the construction industry with local suppliers. Check us out on amassed.com. Hey, Tom. So, first of all, so thanks for being with us. Thanks for talking to me a bit, a little bit. Um, and uh, just a basic question, first of all, uh, where are you located? St. Louis, Missouri, right in the uh, middle. Why? <laughs> not, in why? The, not in the bad way, but like, why St. Louis? Uh, well, I grew up, uh, effectively grew up here, right? And in, in, in St. Louis, we like to say I grew up on the Illinois side of the river, uh, just, just across with the stones throw away. But uh Went to school here and then I got kind of landlocked, uh, started started company. This is actually my second company. So I started two companies, had kids. Uh, they're, you know, integrated into the school system here, friends, network, that kind of stuff. So just where life is and, and where life got started for me. And is Rivet one of the uh, only uh, startup uh, things going on or is it a very kind of a kind of growing, fast growing you know, Silicon Valley, like, uh, but in yeah. the middle of the country uh, experience. Yeah, so I, you know, I'd say St. Louis is probably very underrated for a lot of reasons, uh, both in terms of the the city itself, the amenities. You know, we've got one of the largest uh, parks in the city and the country, bigger than uh, Central Park in New York, Forest Park here in St. Louis. Uh, very underrated, you know. So. Between that, between the the university systems that are here, Washington University, things like that. Uh, we actually do have a very vibrant startup ecosystem. I would say that from a startup ecosystem perspective, we actually look a lot like Boston. So we always kind of say we're like Boston's little brother, Boston's little sister yeah. uh, in terms of kind of what we look like. And and just when you look at the, the city itself, you know, a lot of academic, uh, large academic environment, tons of universities that are influential inside of the city. Uh, very strong sort of subsectors of economies, like a very strong construction economy, actually, in St. Louis, uh, things like that. Very strong financial uh, economy. Edward Jones is headquartered here. Wells Fargo has a large presence here, et cetera. So, uh, so we're kind of well known for a few different arenas, probably outside of St. Louis, best known for Anheuser-Busch. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll, well, well, you know, where you started, Rivet, Rivet started St. Louis, you know, like, you know. That's right, that's right. Eventually we'll be known because this is where Rivet got started, yeah. Exactly. So, no, we got a lot of really good uh, community support, a lot of good community programs. Uh, you know, there's several, you know, VC investors that are based out of here. There's several um, startup, like, accelerator programs uh, based out of here. We got a lot of uh, corporate uh, support and investment. There's a couple, there's one investment vehicle in particular that that invites corporations into the startup ecosystem and, and supplies resources for accelerator programs, those types of things. So it's cool. So if, if I'm looking, you know, at a mast is a B2B marketplace and we're a startup. So the conversation we do on the community conversations sometimes goes towards more construction or real estate, sometimes more really about the world of marketplaces, technology, everything. So before we dive into Rivet, I really want to know what do you guys do? How do you see this, this world? As, as a CEO and founder, would you say that you have enough talent around you or do you have to like drag people from the coasts into your team uh to to get them you know working for rivet no i think we you know it, it's again it's a tough uh tough environment right uh, a lot of a lot of sort of the best talent like they're not necessarily out there looking for jobs right so you know i think it's incumbent upon any founder 
any any leader of a company to really figure out how they're going to create their their brand but from an employer perspective and so you know fostering a strong brand that that attracts the type of people that you want to join your company kind of puts the culture in place that you want to and you know emphasize and enforce and and elevate in the eyes of the people that are looking at you as a potential landing spot to, to move their career forward if you do those types of things, if you're intentional about those types of things, from my experience, the talent is there uh, and you don't necessarily have to think about going to the coast. Now, we we are mostly um, employed out of the St. Louis market. We do have some, some virtual or remote team members that live in other areas of the country, but not necessarily scraping from the coast, right? So we've got, you know, people that live in Indianapolis. Uh, Mike actually uh, on our team, he lives in, you know, Southern Missouri, Lake of the Ozarks, uh, if anybody's. Yeah. Ozarks on Netflix. Uh, of that region, but I've been there. It's beautiful, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Uh, it's not all what the show provides, right? But, of uh, course, like anything else. Yeah. No. Yeah. So no, we do a good job, but you know, I think COVID uh, has created an environment where we uh, embraced the virtual world uh, that we all had to have had to live in for the past twelve months, and and to that regard, we've been less geographically bound on how we attract and bring talent onto the team. But uh, from a St. Louis perspective, I've never necessarily felt like I couldn't get the talent that I needed. Uh, I just kind of assumed the challenge of figuring out how to make my employer brand one that that invites and attracts the people that we're looking to bring onto the team. Yeah. And from a uh, capital, like, do you feel like you need to be by the bankers of New York or by the Silicon Valley uh, VCs or you you think that no, okay. we've been fully funded so far from uh, almost strictly Midwest investors. Uh, wow. We've been very well supported out of our St. Louis um, network of investors. And so, you know, our story in particular has been one that's been strong in terms of promoting the capability of a town like St. Louis, right? We're, we're a small town, big city, as the saying goes, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not too many degrees of separation, but uh, with respect to the reputation we've built as a business and, you know, the support we've achieved so far in the fundraising realm, we've been very uh, lucky in our story, I think, has been really propped up by the fact that we've had almost every dollar we've raised so far has come from the Midwest. Very, very cool. Excellent. So let's just dive right into uh, Rivet. Uh, if I jumped on a New York elevator with you, because I don't know how tall the buildings where you are, but you're like, you have a few more minutes, you know, so tell me very fast for someone who's clueless, what does Rivet do? So we're a data platform for construction, right? So if, if data is the currency of business, uh, we're helping uh, construction companies unlock that value, right? So we're really helping construction companies figure out how to use their data, move their data, and adopt technology at a faster rate. So our job is to help them figure out what technology moves their business forward, and then we manage the data for them to make sure that it, it's moving between all of that technology appropriately, easily. Uh, without failure and that they've got good data to run the business. So, effectively. So, so, so for me to understand it, so you don't accumulate the data yourself, correct? Correct. We're not necessarily uh, generating data uh, for them, more so as they generate data in the, in the tools they're using, right? If they're using their project management system, their accounting system, those, those applications well, in that you know they like material yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, if yeah. they're generating data in the, in the applications they need to run the business, uh, we make sure that data is moving between all of those applications uh, and that we're helping them maintain a clean data profile so that if they need to get some information out to make decisions, 
they know that information is good because good data came in, good information came out. So are you coming more from the world of consulting or more of the world of data analysis and, and distribution for the right departments? Yeah, so think platform, right? So uh, kind of the, the new world order in the world of technology is, is um, to have a platform help you operate your business. And so we're a platform for construction companies to help them really operate their business from the perspective of, of data, right? And so we can help them organize their data. We can help them move the data between applications that they're using. We can help them um, you know, get insights in that data, et cetera. But, but really, we're also, to help run the, run, the, run the business. Yeah, do you also recommend them what data should be collected from your experience? Because maybe they, because my, my experience of, you know, I've been in real estate for so long, um, not in the technology part, is a lot of people don't know. There's very little best practice in this industry. It's really about, that's what my dad taught me, or that's what I learned from my first job, and I keep on doing it, even though, the world have completely transformed in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you used a, a key word earlier, I think, in, in terms of marketplace, right? So we're a platform organized around, um, you know, helping construction companies manage their data effectively. But we kind of wrap that in this marketplace concept. So we, we effectively make recommendations uh, based on kind of what the right fit for, for one of our customers might be based on what uh, what partners and solutions we have in our marketplace and uh, because almost all of our customers once they start working with us you know they instantly are like all right you know I need I need a solution to help me onboard uh, employees and and you know manage applicants and things like that right so I need some type of HR system yep. what's on your marketplace because if it's not in your marketplace I'm not even interested but if it's on your marketplace I know it'll integrate you know, I know that I can trust that it's going to work for me, et cetera. So what options do I have? And so we'll make those referrals over to them and, and support them in their journey to select the right fit for them. But we believe strongly that, you know, we should not fit put square pegs and round holes. Technology should enable the business. You know, the business shouldn't necessarily have to change the way that it's it's developed its secret sauce in order to fit into the technology. So we believe in, in establishing the right fit with the technology um, and, but we want companies in this industry to use a lot more tech. They're, they're far behind other industries. And so our entire mission is organized around making it easier for construction companies to adopt technology. We, we want them to use more technology. We want them to use more of it, use, use it faster, use, you know, apply it to every area of the business that it's not being applied to. No more paper stuff, no more fax machine stuff, right? Um, let's let's kind of help the industry at large come into the digital age. But do you find that people you speak with know the problem they're dealing with, or do you sometimes, because you see a much more horizontal picture from different companies, do you say, hey, have you ever noticed this? Because I think one of the challenges with a very traditional business like real estate or construction is that they're stuck in the way they see the world, or they're yeah. not like in a bad way, just that that's how they see it. And you have a much broader exposure to different things they maybe never thought about. Yeah, not all the time. I'd say we we are in scenarios where they're like, yeah, well, no, I mean, this is, you know, we get this, we put it into a spreadsheet, we manipulate the spreadsheet, and then we do something with the spreadsheet, and then we send it to five people, and they reply back, and then we incorporate back into the spreadsheet, and then we put, it's like, okay, just because that works doesn't mean that you're doing valuable work. You're wasting yeah. time. So yeah. we can automate all of that for you. <laughs> 
and they're like, really, you can? Okay, yeah. Like, and so yeah, that happens constantly, almost every day, right? We're helping them devise insights into how they can spend their time more effectively. And then, you know, we all get locked into that scenario where, well, yeah, I, I, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. Well, why? It's like, well, I don't know. That's how I've always done it, right? You don't yeah, always yeah. stop and think like, oh, I could take 10 steps into one step if I, if I sought a way to automate the other nine. Yeah. Who's your typical client? Uh, so I'd say our, 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 the, the largest cohort of, of customers we have today are, it, it's not necessarily within a, a specific trade, but construction companies above 50 million are who we've uh, had the most traction with today. So you're talking about GCs, general contractors? We have a large cohort of general contractors, but also a lot of, a lot of trades and specialty trades okay. as well. And uh, are there, I don't know how it is there, but union, non-union, does it matter at all? That we haven't noticed any trend one way or the other, frankly. Mm -hmm. Well, so so they come to you. They say, "Okay, Tom, I know I gotta get better. I'm not really sure how. Uh, show me how to save. Uh, dive in. Show me what's the best practice I can accumulate. What's the um, what's the feedback you're getting from the people when you go beyond the CEO who says, "Tom, here's the check. Go for it." Do you have? Do you see hunger? Do you see pushback? What's the overall culture of corporate of um of, of construction companies? To technology, I think recently um, the the overall sort of tenor of, of construction companies around technology has been one of almost approaching fatigue, because there's a lot of choice out there now. Right, so we've seen, I, I think for for all the right reasons and for and for good reasons and and ultimately to the benefit of the industry, we've seen a lot of entry of technology into the industry over just the past two or three years. Um, there was a study, and I'm probably going to reference it slightly incorrectly, so I'll just kind of generalize it. But Go you, for know, it. you know that 94.3% of of uh, statistics are invented, you know that? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something like, you know, we went from like less than 500 technology options in the industry a couple years ago to now there being almost 5,000, right? So we've almost 10x the number of technology options to the industry. And so I think a lot of folks in the industry are kind of, their head spinning because there's almost too many now, or there's a lot of entry. And, and so they're like, all right, well, what do I use? You're using what? And he's using something different and she's using something different. So which one's the right one for me? So, you know, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a shakeout period here for, for some of the winners to rise to the top and, and, and to dominate market share and, um, and things like that. And, and as we see some of these new markets develop because problems that have existed for a long time that just now have solutions coming to market, uh, there are going to be some winners that no one could have even saw coming because it's a new a, a new solution to an old standing, pro long standing problem that, again, people were just doing it because that's the way it always worked, right? Yeah. But now there's going to be a better way to do it. So, And, and those 5,000 companies that you spoke about, uh, what, what do you think is the what was the most amount of weight? Is it in the preparation? Is it on site construction? Is it coordination between uh, sections? Is it in the construction market? Um, like us, what, what do you see kind of like most of the efforts of that prop tech and construction tech world coming? So I see more, you know, from my perspective, I'd say I see most of it in the realm of trying to collect data from the field, generally speaking, right? It could be now, now here's kind of the caveat around, you know, those, 5,000 uh, entrants into the market. Most of those today are, are really addressing only one use case, right? They might be addressing one workflow in the construction process, or they might be addressing one pain point. Now, over time, they'll, 
eventually address two, then three, and then get up to 10, and then you start to see, but that's where you'll also start to see some, some acquisition opportunity and yep. things like that in terms of some of those solutions consolidating and, and becoming a more comprehensive suite of products and, and whatnot. And so, you know, project management, I think, is getting a, a ton of attention right now. A lot of, you know, Procore is, is kind of the 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 big popular it becomes the behemoth of the industry to some degree yeah, yeah right and so uh, in in a good way they they've really helped change the minds and attitudes of a lot of folks in the industry to adopt cloud move into a, a more digitally collaborative uh, platform uh, based delivery of technology and so from that perspective really good thing for the industry but now you're going to start to see a lot of uh, competitive uh, a lot of competition for people gunning for Procore, right? They they became popular. Now everybody wants to be the next Procore. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of entry into the project management realm, I'd say a lot of entry in the time collection and realm in terms of trying to collect time and, and things like that out in the field. And, and, and just overall, like trying to track progress of the project, I think, in terms of collecting data based on what's been constructed. There's a lot of emphasis on, you know, work in progress and percent of percent complete and those types of concepts. And I think you're seeing a lot of activity around trying to simplify ways to collect data, measure progress, you know, report on performance, and then ultimately supply all that backup material that's generally required in order to, to get paid. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's mind blowing that such a huge, I think it's the second largest industry in the world, real estate and real estate development after finance, uh, that uh, it has such a lack of integrity in its DNA. So basically, like, you know, when you tell it's going to take a project a year and a half to build and uh, $50 million, it's not going to be $50 million, it's not going to be a year and a half. And everybody knows it, you know. And I'm not saying people are doing it on purpose, just like be really, you really have the intention of finishing, but there's so many components that can go wrong and things are delayed and labor and material and logistics. And, you know, it, it's, it's mind-blowing how behind, I don't know if you know that, but uh, Gardner, uh, looked at the top 20 industries in the world and from a technology per, uh, development perspective and uh, real estate is number 20. Yeah. Uh, it's the second largest industry in the world, you know, like just mind blowing, you know? Yeah. Right. Where there's just a massive gap to fill, right? So I think all this technology entry that's focusing specifically on construction technology is really positive for the industry because you're talking about a huge, huge gap. I think one of the statistics I heard was $2 trillion a year of, of construction is left on the table just due to the lack of technology adoption. And if we fill that gap, we could put $2 trillion of construction in place more every year than we currently are capable of as an industry, which is a significant impact to the world around us, right? Our communities, those roads get built faster, uh, things like that. So. so Tom, if we could jump to 2031, right? Like 10 years from now. Uh, how different do you think, because you have a really broad exposure to trends and, and what's important to the clients, your clients, and also what's the solution out there to resolve it. What, how will, if we travel 10 years from now, how would construction sites and construction processes uh, look differently? Uh, so, you know, I think the best way I could attempt to articulate that, one trend that is for sure going to take hold between, you know, over the next 10 years, uh, I, I like to say that the technology stack of a lot of construction companies these days are are kind of stuck in the, you know, closer to circa 2000 than circa 2020, right? So I'm, I'm hopeful that the technology stack is going to look like a 2030 technology stack. 
So there's going to be a, a lot of investment and effort required for construction companies to maintain pace, maintain competitive advantage, and and effectively meet the demand that's coming their way from the world around them. Um, and so I think we're going to see everything's cloud. You know, everything is finally fully cloud-based. Yeah, uh, we're going to see. A significant, um, uh, you know, amount of adoption as the as the workforce gets younger, they're going to expect that I have tools in my hand that look something like, you know, if you can't see, I'm holding my cell phone, right? Yeah. This is yeah. the tool I'm going to want to be working with, not necessarily, you know, pen and paper that type of stuff, right? So as the young as the workforce gets younger and they expect to have technology, they expect to have choice. Uh, so I think you're going to see. In an environment where you might have one worker using one app and another worker using another app because they prefer it that way. Mm. And so you'll see a lot of choices being made at the worker level, at the job level. I've got a job to be done. Let me select the tool I use to get it done. Uh, but that's going to create a different problem for like the CIO than what we've seen in the past, right? The CIO might not select the application for the for the company anymore. He has to now figure out how to he or she has to figure out how to get all of these tools. These people are, are, are selecting for this project versus that project versus yep. this project. Now I've got a different problem. I've got data everywhere in all these different systems. I still have to run the business. I still have to report financials. I still have to get uh, people paid and, and things like that. And so, you know, those are going to be some of the challenges in terms of what it looks like. But we're going to transfer some of those challenges we have in the field today to the back office tomorrow. Uh, and, and I think you'll start to see. The switch flip a little bit in terms of like how and where decisions are made, and and I might be over over generalizing this, but I think today you see the back office control a lot of how the field does their job, and I think you'll see that flip. The field will control how they do their job, and the back office will have to uh, adjust accordingly. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the things you didn't touch, which is interesting, is I think there'll be also fundamental change in the material we use. So um, whether because environmental uh, demands from whether the customers or because the world is changing, uh, I think a lot of time will need new education because you might have someone who's a framer and been a framer for 20, 30 years. Now they have to work with completely different material. That yeah. So I think that one of the things technology might help is the ability to train people in new material that is not that, you know, they used to two by fours or whatever, concrete pouring, which is probably one of, you know, uh, has a huge uh, environmental impact. So that will be one of the interesting things, how technology can help people adjust and modify the way they do construction. Yeah, yeah you're right. I think I think one of the, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, again, like COVID, I think is a is an opportunity for us to kind of see what, what type of demand we're going to get from the world around us and what that demand might look like. And I think you've seen a lot of people as they had to stay home more often, they started to want to change their space more often. And so I think when you talk about materials, like, you know, I, I, I'm not intimate to, to necessarily some of the materials technology that's coming, uh, but, you know, I've heard things that, that, that I think to me are interesting in terms of like materials that can morph, right? So you could have a space that can be changed yeah. on the fly and, and we won't necessarily be so kind of restrictive in how we build things because you'll be able to, you know, mutate that space in order to change that environment on a more regular basis and and kind of always be shifting, always be changing, always be uh, adjusting in terms of the environment around you. And so, you know, I think materials is a big is a big area of emphasis in terms of, you know, 3D printing, just some of the technology that's coming down the pipe in terms of how, how materials are being developed, being deployed. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, you're looking at 
you know, drones doing deliveries, all kinds yep. of stuff. Yeah. So uh, uh, last question, where will uh, Tom and Rivet be in 10 years? Well, uh, if if I had my way, Tom will be retired and <laughs> <laughs> you're like having a beer on a yacht, you know, right, right. Uh, and yeah. I, my successor will be running a very successful business. Uh, <laughs> um, but joking aside, you know, my my goal, again, is to uh, sort of drive impact for for the industry and therefore the world around us in terms of how the industry performs. So, you know, my my goal is for Rivet to touch some aspect of data for every project that's being performed worldwide. So if we can make that happen in the next 10 years, we'll, we'll have been blessed to take advantage of the opportunity ahead of us, but that's what we're working on. Cool. So last, last one, Tom, and I'll let you go uh, back to work. Um, so any trends you think we should follow? Any things either, it could be anything, it could be media, book, uh, articles, material, software, something like, you should really watch that because I personally, Tom, love what's happening there we should watch it in our field anything like that and if you don't have one that's fine i completely put you in the spot yeah you know you're putting me on the spot yeah so the yeah. one thing i can come up with and it is industry related uh i would encourage listeners to go check out constructionprogress.org which uh, one construction what say again uh constructionprogress.org oh cool so it is uh it, it's a it's a sort of community-based association that's meant to serve the industry and it's and it's its mission is to bring industry and technology together uh, and to really work with industry on educational concepts in order to get buy-in for technology adoption, standardization of how technology gets deployed, standardizing processes and workflows across projects. Uh, that's a great that. recommendation so if someone was put on the spot right on you know yeah, man. i mean it's even dealing with things like mental health awareness and things like that right so yeah. so just really great community engagement and collaboration around things that are important to the industry and you know a lot of the topics we just got done talking about right so i i'd encourage everyone to go check that out that's awesome tom i really enjoyed our short conversation yeah uh, hopefully our our roads are going to keep our intertwine and yeah. uh, as we're growing from the northeast and the east coast towards the center, uh, hopefully we'll we'll bring a mast to your uh, family of uh, of platforms, and we can take it from there. But I really really appreciate your time. I agree. I appreciate so, it. Thanks for having me.